Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Here again these words from Matthew chapter 22. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. This is our text. By her own admission, a girl named Kristen didn't really dress up ever. She didn't really have high fashion standards and her family wasn't wealthy. So she often wore well-seasoned hand-me-downs from her sister. And so one evening, she and her boyfriend had decided they were going to go to the movies. They're going to go catch a movie at a tiny independent theater. And her attire for the evening was typical. A child-sized Pokemon t-shirt. Jeans that didn't really fit her. And... Cheap, worn-out flip-flops. She figured it would be okay. That's what she normally wore. Nothing out of the ordinary. And if people had a problem with it, the theater would be dark anyway, and so it didn't really matter. But when the couple arrived there, there was something that they did not expect. A spectacle. A crowd that had gathered. But it wasn't just the size of the crowd that bothered Kristen. The crowd's style, the people who had gathered, how they were dressed, that sent her into a panic because everyone had on formal wear. Flashes from numerous cameras were popping around a red carpet that had been set in front of the theater. And then Kristen noticed the sign. State Film Festival. What to do now? She had been underdressed before, but the difference was never really this drastic. And the setting never as formal. But they had already bought tickets and throwing them away was not something that she was prepared to do. So she went into the well-dressed crowd, dressed with her Pokemon t-shirt and her jeans and her flip-flops. And that night changed her life. Anytime I ever go anywhere after that, she said, I Google the place beforehand. I check their Instagram. Whatever it takes to get an idea of what's going on and what I should wear. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you feel drastically underdressed and you might not care at all about it, about style or fashion, what you wear. After all, it's been said that fashion is innovation without reason, right? People just kind of make things up and say, yeah, that's good. There's no rhyme or reason to it, right? Innovation without reason and imitation without benefit. You might not agree with haphazard dress codes. You might think a double standard exists for men and for women um, in, how, in the terms of how they dress. You might just... 
not care about fashion at all or what you wear. But there is a truth. Sometimes what we wear hinders access. Sometimes what we wear hinders access. You can't stay in a certain place without specific attire. That's just the fact of the matter. And it happens, of all places, in the parable in the gospel from Matthew chapter 22. A guest comes to a wedding without the proper wedding garment. And what happens? The king says to the attendants, bind him hand and foot, cast him into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Seems like an overreach, doesn't it? What in the world is going on here? What is happening? This doesn't seem like an ordinary wedding. First, though, however, you have to notice it's a wedding banquet for a king. Let's have some decorum. All right. It's for the king. Let's have a little decorum. But the penalty, right? You probably noticed that. The penalty for lacking a proper wedding garment, binding hand and foot, casting out into outer darkness, throwing the guests to a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is serious. But it's a parable. So what, it's a, what is it about? What is the parable about? The parable is about... The rule and reign of God, the kingdom of God through Christ Jesus. And everyone is invited into that rule and reign. Everyone is invited into that kingdom. And as you heard from early in the parable, uh, many take no notice. Many have uh, much better things to do. They're not interested. But yet the king wants to gather them nonetheless. The king wants to gather them into his kingdom to give him his gifts, to have them celebrate with him the marriage feast of the Lamb. And so Jesus really with parables is usually depicting what's what's going on in the present, but also at the end times and what's going to happen during the end times. The Lord depicts what will happen upon his return when he takes his bride. That is you collective you the church. To himself, where he will serve his people in the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom for all eternity, serving us in glorious wonder and peace and life. The problem is you can't sneak into the banquet, right? You can't be a wedding crasher. You need a proper wedding garment. Rags aren't going to fit the bill. Pokemon t-shirt? Eh, probably not. Worn out flip-flops? No. But it doesn't matter either if you have the best designer clothes, the most expensive thing you can find to put on. That's not going to do it either. Because we carry something far deeper and disgusting where we don't qualify. And that is the stain of sin, the stain of shame. All of our most glorious works, all of our most beautiful dresses are nothing more than a polluted garment. So where? 
Where are you going to get a proper wedding garment? You're not going to find it at Macy's. You're not going to find it. You're not going to find it anywhere. I asked you the wrong question. From whom are you going to get a proper wedding garment? God has been clothing his people from the fall into sin, right? God first provided clothing to Adam and Eve when they hid from God. You remember that whole thing in Genesis chapter 3. Aware that they were naked, aware that they were corrupted, aware that God was holy and they no longer were. They were not able to stand before him. They did not want to come into his presence. They were ashamed, afraid. So God closed them with animal skins. And that was a temporary fix, but God is going to do one better. He is going to clothe all sinners with a perfect everlasting garment. And that is the blood of the lamb, which covers all of your sin or to be more technical. He will clothe the sinners with the lamb himself and his perfection, which will cover all their sin. It is God who provides and clothes us with the perfect wedding garment in the person of his son, Christ Jesus. And this is a theme that we see throughout Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul likens the relationship of Christ and his church to a wedding. And he writes that God has made us his own and he begins this process through baptism. So here's what he says in terms of comparing Christ's relationship to the church and husbands and wives. And this is directed uh, basically at the husbands. This is the part that I've pulled out. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her, right? Set her apart as holy. And then he says something interesting. Having cleansed her. By the washing of water with the word. What does that sound like? Washing of water with the word. Sounds like baptism to me. Why? So that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Now that sounds like someone who's properly dressed. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 3, likewise, he picks up on this theme that those baptized into Christ have clothed themselves with Christ. Imagine wearing Christ as a garment. When the Father looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your blemishes, your faults. Instead, he only sees the perfect righteousness of his son, which covers all of your sin. Which covers all of your shame, which covers all of your stains. This is the promise that we have in our baptism that we receive by faith. And that's the key. Baptism is a great gift, but Luther warns us 
At the same time, we must watch that no false security creeps in and says, if baptism is so gracious and so great a thing that God will not count our sins against us. And as soon as we turn from sin, everything is right by virtue of my baptism. If that's true, then I'm just going to live as I please. And later on, when I'm about to die, I'll remember my baptism and remind God of his covenant with me. And then he says something surprising. Here's what he says. To be sure, baptism is so great that if you turn from your sins and appeal to its promise, your sins are forgiven. The only problem is we don't all know when we're going to die. And here's what he says. See to it that sin does not take hold and prevent you from turning back to God, which it often does. Baptism is a glorious gift. It's not something that we do as a hoop or even a prerequisite. I know that sounds strange for eternal life. It's not a commitment to God. It's not something to check off a list, but it's a commitment to you from God. It's a promise that God joins you to himself. That he gives you forgiveness of sins and his Holy Spirit through this most precious gift. And through these means, he begins a good work in you. And that includes an ongoing work of faith in you. The parable today is about receiving salvation in and through Jesus. Walking in our baptismal identity. Continuing in our baptismal grace and not just throwing it back at God. Because God's word in baptism is followed by teaching. It is followed by a lifelong pursuit of growing in the fear and knowledge of God. And God also promises that in your baptism, he cleanses you, drowns your old Adam. One of the reasons why we baptize with water is that it indicates something. That the old Adam, that is the sinful portion of ourselves, that loves to just do uh, sinful things, that it takes that old Adam and by daily contrition, sorrow for sin and repentance, turning from sin, be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires, that a new person should daily emerge and rise to life before God in righteousness and purity forever. We are joined to Christ. His story is our story. We receive it by faith. So St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Or sometimes you might hear, walk in newness of life. That doesn't sound like just a past event to me. It doesn't sound like just a future event to me. It's a current event. It is God's continuing act for us and in us. We don't want to be caught off guard when the day of our Lord returns. And we won't be by faith. We won't be caught off guard wearing a Ratty old t-shirt, jeans that don't fit, tired flip-flops. 
when the feast of the Lamb commences. We're not going to be caught off guard because God has made you a promise that you receive by faith. You are fully clothed in what is already yours, Jesus. By virtue of your baptism, you are clothed in what is already yours, Jesus. And there's more. When he returns, you will truly be like him in every way. When he returns, you will receive a body just like his own glorious body, free from all sin, free from death, free from stain. That is God's promise that we receive by faith. Yet until that day, you can approach the wedding feast of the Lamb, which happens, we get a foretaste of the feast to come today, with confidence. Jesus invites sinners to come. Jesus invites those burdened and stained with sin to come and receive forgiveness. To give his true body and true blood for the forgiveness of sins and strengthening of your faith. We're not waiting until the end of time for these things to happen. We're waiting for them to happen without remainder. They're happening now. Participating in these sacramental acts, God himself clothes you and outfits you and welcomes you to his feast. He covers you and sanctifies you. Despite all your many sins, despite all those many stains, you are properly dressed. Properly dressed through faith in God's promises. Impeccably dressed with Christ himself. Prepared for the wedding feast for today. And prepared for the wedding feast of the Lamb, which has no end. Amen. And may the peace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.